Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. You can support this podcast at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Will Brackett of Rayleigh, North Carolina. Will... Ugh, I couldn't say Will Will. <laughs> will will receive a marathon decal showing he watched 26.2 hours of his favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Jason Almy, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories. These are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit Season 7, Episode 20, Fat. Come on. You see a 300-pound mountain shoving food in his mouth in a restaurant? That doesn't make you sick. People can't help being black or gay, but being fat, well, that's their fault, right? Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcast, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. So for your penance, you're podcasting with your wife, right? Yes, <laughs> that is penance. <laughs> we also have a guest who knows a little something about that from the Shit Happens When You Party Naked podcast, <laughs> Jason Almy. Hi, Jason. Hi, everybody. Yay. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Everybody relax. I'm here. <laughs> so the first question is, what, what kind of shit happens? when you party naked all manner of shit that you can never quite expect although i guess if you've done it a few times you do kind of learn to expect the arrests the warrants the unwanted pregnancies um all manner of of different stuff the the blackout hearing about it later waking up in jail waking up in the hospital uh waking up in a church confessional still naked uh there's really there's a lot of options for for shit to go down it's a wonderful thing. Basically, you end up being a, a, a dead person on SVU, is what happens. Essentially, you could. Yeah, yeah, you could. It could actually really like roll over into your brand quite nicely. <laughs> so you start on my show, you wake up on y'all's show. Or don't, maybe yeah. you don't wake up. <laughs> but I think the prologue uh, is way better than the, uh, the actual story. It's probably more fun. <laughs> now, you podcast with your wife, Chrissy. Yes. Uh, isn't it a horrible idea to podcast with the person who refuses to sleep with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh luckily <laughs> luckily we're trying to make a baby right now, so I, I guess for the next couple of months I'm I'm like uh, I got the green light, I'm cleared. When you say you're trying to make a baby right now. <laughs> uh, I, I do mean right now. I do mean right now. Oh. Um there's something about podcasting that just does it for us. I mean it really mm. gets yeah. us going if you know what i mean and you know you got to strike while the iron is hot we don't know what you mean, what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, Jason, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite Law and Order detective team. Oh, man. You know, I'm a big Anthony Anderson fan, so I was hoping he was going to stick around after this episode. And I was really sorry to see that the credits just said special guest. And by the end of the episode, he's packing his shit and leaving. I was a little sad because I do like Anthony Anderson. I was hoping he'd stay around long enough to crack some jokes. He really didn't get a chance to be funny. but So I take it you, you haven't watched uh, Law & Order seasons 19 and 20, huh? Oh, does he come back? <laughs> yes. He comes back, back as a different character. A different oh. cop. Yeah. I we'll see. talk about all that for later. No, for, so For no reason. Like, Why didn't he just play the same cop? Like, It's yeah. a very strange choice. Because this cop choice. is a dick. Anyhow, <laughs> did you have a backup choice? Um, I like the... Um, uh, what, what's her name? Uh, Marissa Hargaday character. I like yeah. her. I like her character. I like the guy from Wet Hot American Summer's character too. What is he? Elliot. Elliot sp- uh, starts an ass, right? Stabler. Yeah, God, that's I'm gonna. Spencer. I'm gonna lose my fan card for SVU. They're gonna. Oh. They're gonna kick me out of the SVU fan club of Summer's. Like, Shit. That's okay. We've we've heard worse. And who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Oh man, uh, I guess the blonde girl from this episode. Um, yeah, yeah, because because the only episode you've ever seen. She's the only she's the only prosecutor that I'm per- I'm personally familiar with. Um, <laughs> she's appeared on my podcast several times. She's a close friend. Uh, <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 7, Episode 20, Fat. Elliot and No Benson reports to a crime scene. The victim was beaten, sodomized, and had her finger cut off, which Elliot saves by sticking the digit in his iced coffee. <laughs> I, I'm a detective, Jessica. Leave her alone. Look, Jessica, just tell me what happened. You I need to know who to did this right to now. you, okay? Let me know. Just like, tell like me something. Enough. Look, man, we got a window of opportunity. I understand that, but Scanner Girl's not going to get us anything. Sorry. I forgot I was dealing with Detective Sensitive. Now, Elliot is not happy about his new partner, Lucius Blaine. He is special victims-ish, and his rough style rubs Elliot the wrong way. The victim, Jessica, has been working undercover with the health department for stings on underage tobacco sales. Is that information helpful to the plot? Not really. Uh, CSU says by the depth of the footprints at the scene, their perpetrators were at least 250 pounds. And based on the crime scene blood, one of them is menstruating and has diabetes. <laughs> uh, Elliot and Lucius goes to Jessica's school and brings in an overweight brother and sister. When Elliot objects to Lucius's unconstitutional interrogation techniques, they get into a fist fight. Later, while changing in the locker room, Benson appears telling Stabler that she requested a transfer to computer crimes because, well... It's complicated. <laughs> okay, so they have done something we thought was impossible, Rebecca. Mm. Uh, give us an SVU detective even more over the top than Stabler. <laughs> well, I loved the cold open of this episode where Elliot is in confession, apparently for the first time in two years. These are my sins. I was selfish. I was disrespectful. I lost my temper. And I heard those, like, game show sound effects in my head when he confesses to being a... Uh, selfish. Uh, I heard like bing, 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 bing. Uh, And he confesses to being, what was the second one? Uh, Disrespectful. And of course, 
having a temper. <laughs> and then Anthony Anderson shows up and he's so much worse. Well, initially anyway, like halfway through the episode, sort of trade places, which is weird. But yeah, I mean, I think it's really fun to see Anthony Anderson. This one, a prelude to his later appearance, you know, as Bernard on Law and Order, playing a different cop, though, for no reason that I can explain. But I really loved it. We get an awful lot of information about the health of their unidentified suspects from that crime scene. And from the levels of the hormones FSH and LH in her blood, this female's going through puberty. We're looking for a 240-pound girl whose blood glucose is through the roof. So when you arrest her, make sure you tell her she's got type 2 diabetes. Yeah, I loved that scene because if you didn't have me at sodomy, you definitely had me (laughs) with diabetes and menstruation like that is like the, the combo you got me i was pulled in from that very opening scene because i was like holy shit is this relevant like i'm well i'm not i'm not obese but i i do work in the dietetics field and i am a type 1 diabetic myself i work with mm-hmm. other diabetics too um and so i was like dude did they write is this is this episode about me is this the real story am i the real story that this episode is based on I hope not. I also hope not. <laughs> but so they get the blood, and instead of running DNA, they do what, like a lipids panel? or <laughs> Yeah. I... Test strips. <laughs> so the principal at that high school pretty much has surrendered in the battle of keeping students healthy. Uh, it used to be heavy kids played music just so they wouldn't have to do PE. But we don't have PE anymore, and about a third of our kids are overweight. What are you doing about it? Not. Made the cafeteria serve more salads and fruits, but kids like burgers and fries. Got a half a dozen fast food restaurants right on his block. Well, this was a really funny episode, and I'm sorry, I know that you're a type 1 diabetic, mm-hmm. uh, but there was a lot of very superficial nods to this whole, like, soda is bad and yes. is marketed to kids thing, yeah. and the funding has been cut for exercise for kids. It was like... A two-minute scene during which they passed the biggest soda machine I have ever seen in my entire life. And the principal bemoaning, you know, the poor nutrition, the lack of exercise. And Anthony Anderson, of all people, this episode is a lot of fat shaming, by the way. And I am not like a super skinny person, so I'm very comfortable saying that, like... Is Anthony Anderson really the right character to be like fat shaming kids and their lack of exercise and diet when he is not Trey from Blackish in this episode? He is Anthony Anderson that we used to know and love as a big guy in this yeah. episode. And the look of disgust on his face when they're talking about it is just like, hello, are you pot calling the kettle black a little much? <laughs> yeah, for sure. They're interrogating her and they're like, you know, you can't. You can't hate on somebody because they're born black or they're born gay, right? Those are off limits. I like that that she's like, well, no, look, I'm progressive enough to understand that I, <laughs> I don't discriminate on basis of of sexuality or race or ethnicity. I'm very woke. Yeah, I'm very woke <laughs> unless you're fat, and then I'm coming after you. <laughs> now, we get to see a couple of actors before they were famous. Yeah, we do. Before they were famous. So we've already mentioned Anthony Anderson. Yep. Oh, yeah. Don't give me that holier-than-thou crap. I know how you work. You know nothing about me. No wonder your partner dumped you. Now, this is, uh, as we said, before his turn as Bernard and uh, long before his uh, his breakout role in Blackish. As Dre, yes. As Dre, yes. And, you know, but I will say that if you followed his career, I do think that the best role he ever played was the bad guy in The Shield. 
Really? I think it was Antoine was the name oh, of the character, yeah. and he was he was just scary AF. Terrifying? Yeah, which is, <laughs> I, if you think about like going from that to all the way over to, you know, the sort of affable, upper middle class uh, black He's man. He's not who, affable, though. That's the thing, what makes his character in Blackish so brilliant, and you see flashes of it here, is that Dre in Blackish is actually full of rage. He's full of rage against, like, the system. Every episode is like a treatise on the unfair treatment of African Americans in America, and it's just below the surface all the time, and all of his, like, simmering resentment is the core of the show and is what makes it so funny at the same time. So I actually think it's a, a good pairing. I did keep waiting for him to be funny in this, though. I I was I was hoping he would be funny. It, it was funny when he called Elliot detective sensitive. I yeah. did really. If I that. if I may disagree with you for a moment on Anthony Anderson's breakout role, I I felt like and I could be wrong. It's been a while since I've looked at his Wikipedia, but I really felt as if his breakout role was me myself and Irene as one of Jim Carrey's sons in that film. <laughs> I really thought that was kind of where he, that's where his star started to rise. <laughs> he, he, he did, he did. He wasn't a household name by then, but no. yeah, we'll have to give you that one. Another <laughs> great guest appearance here of somebody that we didn't previously know. Jason, can you tell us who played victim Jessica DeLay? It stopped and then I heard footsteps. And then suddenly there was a bag over my head and I was being dragged into the van. That was Miss Rooney Mara. She's an Academy Award nominee for um, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. She was also in the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. That came out in 2011-ish, I think. But this was pre-fame Rooney Mara. And this is actually, uh, it's ironic that she was in this episode, Fat, because uh, she was fairly slender in this episode, but she's only gotten skinnier since then. Like, somebody needs to oh. send her a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, she is listed in the credits as Trisha Mara. Really? At this point. Yeah, do you know how she got her, her stage name? Oh, don't they have a Rooney in the family or something? Don't they? They're yeah. like they're like a famous family whose parents own sports teams. Because her sister is also an actress, right? Right, right, right. Now her her grandfather is Wellington Mara, the co-owner of the New York Giants, and uh, her great grandfather is Art Rooney, the founder of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm. Legacy sports family and with acting uh, granddaughters because her sister was in House of Cards. That's right, oh. and lots of other things. I guess it pays to get like the really good acting classes when you've got football money or concussion money, as we call it around here. Exactly. It's really it's too bad that um, that my grandfather is the owner of the Macon Giants. It's a small lacrosse team out of out of Macon, Georgia. I mean, it's, it's a yeah. It's it's not a it's not a football team. It's a yeah. No big deal. There's not a lot of family money. I mean. I was only gifted a few million. Yeah, only a few million. <laughs> we do have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Can you name the actor who played Rudy Bixton? I can. The name of the actor? I actually know the name of the actor because I've looked him up before because I always used to call him Mini Forrest Whitaker, which I know is not fair. Next thing I know, I got these two devils kicking, beating on me, cursing and shouting. I'm fat scum. Hey, get my fat ass out of their park. Um, his name is Omar Miller, I think is his name. Yeah, Omar Benson Miller. Yes, and we know him from Ballers. Yeah, he plays Charles. Yes. The affable Charles. <laughs> Very affable Charles of Ballers. But he's been in tons of stuff, and he is an awesome, awesome actor, and he's awesome in this show. Yeah. And lastly, we have a, a Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, it's that girl. 
Can you name the actress who plays defense attorney Serena Waldron? Oh, um, I don't, regrettably. But if any of her work is available online, um, like maybe some of these adult websites, I would, I'd be happy to Google her name. If, if any of her oh. work's available online, I'll, I will familiarize myself. Rebecca, who is it? I recognized her before she even turned around and we saw her face because she has that incomparable and like totally standout voice. How much do you weigh, Rudy? 320 pounds. Have you always been that heavy? That is Natalie Cole, singer Natalie Cole, daughter of Nat King Cole and duettist in the remake of that creepy version of Unforgettable. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I'm going to sing with my dead father. On tape. Yeah, so on that list, I guess I saved the best for last. <laughs> that wasn't Natalie Cole, wasn't it? No, that was Vanessa Williams. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so Benson and Stabler are essentially on a break. Uh, Why didn't you tell me, Elliot? We've been partners for seven years, longer than anybody else here. I, we needed a change. I'm sorry. I should have talked to you. It's just... It's just too complicated. Thanks for dropping by. <laughs> now, we know it's because Mariska is actually going to go on maternity leave very soon, but here's the uh, the story reason. In the previous episode, Olivia got hurt, and Elliot went to aid her instead of chasing the suspect. And then later on, while he was being held hostage, she couldn't bring herself to fire her gun because of his safety. And they kind of realized they're too close. They can't do their job because they're more concerned about each other's safety and right. well-being than, than making the arrests and doing the things. And I think there was... Um, uh, there was a kid who died because of, of this. That was the Lou Diamond Phillips episode, wasn't it? I remember that one now. I was watching this. Watching them out of order is weird because I'm like, I can't can't quite remember what happened, but it's complicated. It was supposed to be a nod to like the viewers thinking that they wanted to sleep together, right? I think so. Because they use all that language. Like uh, Anthony Anderson says to him, no wonder your partner dumped you, which sounds like a breakup breakup, but that's not what happened. Right, right. And Elliot's <laughs> not with his wife right now, so the timing is perfect. Way, Olivia's just in the next fucking building. Like, what is the problem? He sees her like 18 times in this episode. She just wanders over. Yeah. She's yeah. not dead. Now, Jason, I have to say, she. we have never seen Benson use a computer ever. <laughs> and now she is in computer crimes and an expert. Well, I mean, she seems like a very capable woman. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure she was able to pick it right up. It also seems super fucking easy. Let's be real. Like she's literally just googling shit. Like I felt like I could be a computer crimes croc yeah. watching this. She's like I found this website and now I'm looking at the message boards. I'm like, oh, good for you. Good for you. She didn't even go on about how she had to sift through mountains of inappropriate porn or anything like that. Like, oh, yes. God. <laughs> I saw I had to sift through thousands of dick pics, but I found the evidence that we needed. Despite despite like dumping her partner, she solves his case for him, right? I mean, she comes in with the evidence that he needs. She cracks it. Just with a neck up, too. Whenever you see the bottom half of her body, and she does awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. 
Now let's look at the second half of the episode. The detectives go to the home of the Bixtons to look for evidence of the assault. They find a mini baseball bat with traces of blood on it. They also get to meet the siblings' older brother, Rudy, who looks worse for the wear. Where were your brother and sister Tuesday afternoon? They came home after school. They were here. Some bruises you got on you, Rudy. What happened to you? You get in a fight? I fell down some stairs. Hurt my leg. Hurt your hand, too? Broke a couple bones. The brother and sister admit they beat up Lindsay because she and her friend Tommy beat up Rudy, leaving him so messed up that he lost three fingers. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> uh, Rudy admits he did get jumped and a camera flash went off in the middle of it. But how can they put Jessica at the scene of the attack? Enter new computer whiz Olivia Benson. She discovers they uploaded a photo of the attack to a fat-shaming website. The detectives bring Jessica and Tommy in, but they can't hold him. Then, something that never happened before and will never happen again... Rudy pulls out a gun and blows away Tommy in the middle of the police station. Mm. Hell yeah. His defense at trial seems to be a public service announcement about fast food in the inner city (laughs) and statistics about diabetes. (laughs) Olivia provides one more piece of evidence. Stabler and Lucius confront Jessica with old photos of herself as a fat girl. Her motivation for attacking obese people. She says she's sorry. She's really sorry. (laughs) Meantime, Rudy is convicted in Tommy's murder, but he's already been rushed to the hospital in kidney failure, sure to die from health reasons long before he's going to jail. Mm. All right, so this second half starts off with Craig and really letting Stabler have it in the classic, you're an out-of-control cop speech. Actually, I believe what he says is, you're a good cop, but dot, 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 and you will go out there and continue working with this guy when you clearly hate each other. You know why I put Blaine with you? Because you started drinking again? So you know what you're like to work with. But what does that mean? I don't lie to kids. He bends the rules. You do, too. Not with kids. You want me to list every time you've crossed the line? You're a good cop. But God knows how Olivia put up with you for so long. And then two minutes later, they're fine. They're totally fine. (laughs) Shake hands. It's all good. I was wondering, like, where the fuck is their HR department? Like, how are they going to... Like, besides the fact that you're a police officer and you just committed an assault and and you ought to know that that's illegal, like, that's a felony. Like, you you assaulted the dude. But now, not only... We're we're not going to call HR. The HR lady's not going to come down. She's not going to take any statements. God damn it, you guys are going to get back together. Get back out on that street. Here's your gun back. Go go be with that guy you were just fighting with and assaulting. Here's your gun. Go, Go meet that... That guy in the hall and go solve this case. Don't yeah. shoot each other. <laughs> the first thing I'm going to do is give you your gun back. Yeah, so exactly. find it. <laughs> yeah. And of course, Stabler was being such a little bitch. He was like, either you get rid of him or I'm going to quit. Yeah. <laughs> he messed up my shirt. <laughs> my shirt. Yeah, he should have called him out. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to go get a job as a Walmart grid? You're going to quit and you're going to go work at Walmart? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, like, you need this job. Come on. <laughs> You've got 74 kids, Elliot. Yeah. Stapler also goes after Craig and by saying, like, you know, asking, he, he asks about, like, why did you, why do you think I paired you up? And he's like, are you drinking again? <laughs> I know. Oh, that I like that. Blow. I was like, he, he basically, this is why I wanted to have the bell ring during the confession, because he's proving all the shit he confessed to the priest at the beginning. He's disrespectful. He has a temper. He's a dick, and he needs to call his damn wife. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his penance is call your wife. And how is that penance, by the way? How is that penance? That just seems like- Don't you know his wife? <laughs> how is his wife is awesome. What are you talking about? It's that daughter Kathleen that we don't like. I was raised Catholic, and they always used to tell me, like, say Hail Marys and shit. They weren't like, call your grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Tell her about that. <laughs> Tell her about all your excessive masturbation. <laughs> it's Ouch. Uh, luckily, she's deaf. So. <laughs> oh, oh. so there was one clue that I didn't bring up because it was stupid. What's that? The, the attacker stole Rudy's baseball cap, and later they have a picture of Jessica wearing a baseball cap. Hmm. Did they only sell one baseball cap in New York ever? The Bronx Gators? The Bronx Gators. Remember, everyone used to make fun of Rudy because he was a fan of that stupid fucking baseball yeah. team. Like, anyone would even know who that team was. Come on. It's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Yeah, more people know about my making Giants lacrosse team that my grandfather <laughs> owns than, that, than the Gators. Jeez, I heard Gators and I instantly thought Florida. But then when I realized like it wasn't the real Gators team, that was like, oh, this is kind of one that was made up for the episode. That's, I guess it makes a little less sense. But also, I went to UGA for my undergrad degrees, and I hate the the Florida Gators. So he's kind of off the hook in my books, because if he'd been a Gators fan, I'd have been like, guilty! Send him to the chair! I have to point out one evidentiary inconsistency in this part of the detectiving of the storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are to believe that these two high school kids, who, by the way, were interrogated as part of an entire orchestra, which was fucking hilarious. That was how they sussed out the suspects. But we are to believe that they went and committed this horrific crime. In a mysterious van, which, by the way, they never find or talk about ever again. The van. They brought the weapon home, covered with all sorts of goo, uh-huh. but they left her purse, which had like all of her shit in it. Like they, you know, they they took the phone when they left everything. They brought the bat home. Like these are very, very inconsistent and not so smart criminals to bring home the assault weapon, but then like leave the cash and credit cards behind. I don't know. I didn't buy it. I didn't it was buy personal. It. The sodomy device. <laughs> The sodomy, sodomy device. device. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's that's what they used that bat for. And um, I got to tell you, it's a you, mini baseball bat, but still pretty big. Yeah, still yeah. pretty Isn't big. It so awful! Isn't that what we were all thinking? Like yeah. every every time they talk about sodomy on the show, and they show yes. you the sodomy weapon, the only thing you can think is, well, that's really fucking big. Unless they use the other end, and we go, well, that nub might have been fun. <laughs> uh, really, what SVU taught me is that anything is a dildo if you're brave enough. And apparently (laughs) these criminals were brave enough. (laughs) They were. Very brave. Now, there are a couple of things that I found far-fetched. Really? Yes. Surprise, surprise. The first is that wheelchair-confined Rudy is able to sneak a handgun into the police station under the folds of his fat. Mm. Hey, I'm talking to you. Remember me? You got a gun! Drop it! Drop it! Somebody call a bus! Um, That was surprising, and I really appreciate that you said wheelchair confined and not wheelchair bound, which is like the most offensive thing you can say, and I appreciate that you did that. But they were not afraid to then say that someone in a wheelchair is just going to sneak a gun into the police station, so... I don't know. It was a little far-fetched. It really was. Um, When he shoots that kid, I was like edge of my seat. I was like, holy shit, how'd he get a gun in there? He hit yeah. that shit in his folds, man. <laughs> I think the I think the chief was like, yeah, nobody thought to 
search the guy in the wheelchair. And I guess you would feel like a dick, like patting down the kid in a wheelchair, like, hey, yeah. you know, I, I understand you're you're an obese lad with diabetes in a wheelchair, but I still need to make sure you don't have a gun. I'd feel like a dick as a white dude kind of patting him down, too. I might let him through. But then I was also like, what if he just like had that? You know, like if he had that gun, it wasn't a big gun. It was a little revolver. What if he had that hidden in the crack of his ass or something like that? Like there's mm-hmm. a benefit maybe. Like they, they talk about the largeness being obese in this episode is like this is um, very much a bad thing, obviously from a health perspective. But I don't think they really highlighted the benefit of being able to stash a gun somewhere in and around your body. I mean, if you're the skinny white <laughs> yeah. girl, you're not stashing. That gun is going to, it could be a, a pea shooter and that thing sticks out like your bony hip. <laughs> but this dude has got, he's voluptuous. He could hide that thing anywhere. Yeah, it certainly shows the benefits of uh, being obese when you want to be an assassin. It's just not good when you want to make a getaway. <laughs> right, yeah. or if you want to stay alive and yeah. not have your foot cut off. Yeah. As, yeah. As we yeah. learn. When you want to make a getaway, is tough. <laughs> but for those who don't remember the visual, he has like his left hand like all bandaged up and his leg up in this wheelchair and he's uh, you know he's overweight and I'm just trying to picture him buying this gun illegally on the street and keeping it a, a low profile. I don't know. I just really like the whole shooting scene because even though I know I've seen this before because I've Uh seen all of these, it still surprised me because his affect, this is why I say his performance is so solid. Like he so outacts everyone else in this episode because he does have that sort of guileless, you know, victim thing and you believe it. And then he's like, hey, Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) And then after he shoots him, he's like, did I kill him? And I'm like, oh my God, it's so creepy and good. He's really a, good. He's a good freaking shot too. I mean, you've got a very good point. <laughs> yeah. The guy's the guy's in a wheelchair. He's 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 got one arm bandaged up, so it's not even like he can hold the handgun. I mean, this kid just holds it out with his one good arm. Boom, one shot right in the heart. I mean, it's not like he wings the guy in the shoulder or something, which seems more likely. So your eyesight is shy. I'm speaking as a man who's been in di- diabetic ketoacidosis, you can't see shit. And the fact that he's still able to hit this white kid from across the room with one bad arm and 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 probably not able to see shit because he didn't have glasses on and his retinas have to be messed up because of the sugars and he still hits him right in the heart i was impressed i was impressed yeah and i was actually very happy to see that douchey lawyer get his client's blood all over his yes. face yeah. And suit. yeah it's too bad they weren't lined up like in the indiana jones movie and he could have shot him and it went through him and hit the lawyer and they both fall over dead that would have been nice. i i, I I do agree with aorta theory, though, because there was a hell of a lot of blood on the floor for someone who yeah. allegedly died instantly, as we saw from the very dramatic mopping up scene that we see in the next shot. Q2 janitor guy wearing janitor outfit with one of those string mops, yes. just spreading the blood around. Yeah, I thought that was great, too. <laughs> this guy's like, this happens so often, I should be better at this. There was a lot of, like, that was one of many sort of slow response moments yeah. in this episode. So at the very beginning, you know, one of the things that really struck me was that Elliot gets paged at church. Church, right mm-hmm. and so he has to get all the way from wherever his stupid church is probably in Queens to this dump site where the person is alive Jessica's alive she's unconscious she has her finger cut off and the ambulance is still there and I'm like wouldn't they just like take the victim and quickly him to the hospital and then he has time for him to take the finger put it in the iced cup of coffee him to get to know Dre from Blackish a little bit and then when he finds the finger he's like hold the bus I'm like 
why is the ambulance still here? Like, what is, what is happening? And the blood scene again, it's like, they're just cleaning this up now? Like, I don't know. It seemed like a, little, a lot of slow response happening. It feels like yeah. their, uh, their priorities are misplaced. <laughs> Perhaps they should be thinking about sugar in schools. <laughs> yes, they should be. <laughs> the second far-fetched scene, I think, is the motivation for the beating, mm. which is that Jessica used to be fat, and now she's going to beat up fat people because mm. she used to be fat, and they're still fat. Mm. A beautiful young girl who hates fat people. Stop it, please! Because she used to be one herself. Stop! You don't know what it's like. People stare at you every bite that you eat. The jokes. Is that why you attacked him? Tommy started it. Yeah, but you joined in. Yes. I couldn't stand the sight of him. But I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. And because compassion is not a thing, empathy, when you've actually been in that same situation as someone before, you know exactly how it feels, that that actually makes you more likely to viciously attack people who that you can directly <laughs> empathize with. Yes, yeah, I, f- I found that very believable. I found something else about that more unbelievable. What's that? That the hate website, that the tab, drop-down tab menus were labeled... This is, this is scratchyouritch.com? <laughs> yes. Choose your topic. Fags, spicks, dykes, coons, fatsos. They're a special favorite. I don't believe a young person would even know what half of those insults meant. I really don't. I know they can't use certain words and say them out loud in the scripts. Yeah. Those were still pretty bad. They were bad, but they were also like a little bit 1950s <laughs> in yeah. some respects. Yeah. And on the internet, you can just say the words. You can if you chose to. Yeah, I think somebody somebody uh, let my grandpa on on the internet. Somebody gave my grandpa, I think my uncle gave my grandpa a, a laptop with an internet connection one year for Christmas. And so that's how all of that got online. I really, I have to apologize <laughs> on behalf of my, my grandpa. It's, he's, he was born in another time, everybody. It's, it's not, mm. you know, we've tried to educate him as well as we can, but you know, uh, I think the best we could do was, was get him to say all those words instead of the worst ones. I still think it's amazing that she was able to upload that photo to the website with all the captions using a flip phone. I know. I know. These kids with their photo phones, right? Right. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. Some plot points in this episode were inspired by a lawsuit brought against McDonald's by two Brooklyn teenagers, Ashley Pellman and Jaslyn Bradley. They said their diet of fast food contributed to their obesity and other health problems. Ashley said that between the ages of 5 and 12, she ate at the restaurant three to four times a week. Jaslyn said she stopped in at least once a day. By the time they were in high school, they developed diabetes, coronary heart disease, elevated cholesterol and high blood pressure. The plaintiffs sued in federal court, arguing that McDonald's had misled the public about the nutritional value of their meals and their advertising implied they could get healthy food there every day. They also claimed the company was negligent for marketing food that was, quote, physically and psychologically addictive. The judge failed to digest the arguments, throwing the case out of court. (laughs) Attorneys for Mickey D's called it a victory for common sense. The war against the fast food industry, though, is far from over. In subsequent years, they've made major concessions on issues like trans fat cooking oil, supersized soft drinks, and nutritional labeling practices. 
Okay, now part of the argument is that these consumers were tricked into believing they could eat at McDonald's every day because their slogan was McDonald's every day. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty decent argument. And we do now know, which perhaps that judge not did not take into consideration, that McDonald's as a corporation did target poor black communities in their franchising and did use advertising practices that encourage people to eat there. Every single day. Uh, there's a lot of I have a lot of feelings when I hear about lawsuits against McDonald's, for instance, because children were were led to believe that they could eat there every day without consequence, or that there is uh, maybe evidence that McDonald's is selectively targeting young people or or, or people who are of a lower uh, socioeconomic status. Uh, there's even the implication in this episode that perhaps the education system, the public education system, is failing these kids because they're not offering healthy alternatives and they're probably not offering a lot of um, nutrition education in the schools. And they're definitely not offering PE. The, the principal pretty much says that. They don't play sports. We don't have the money for it. That is kind of part of the problem that, that people say the the food is cheap yep. and it's appealing to people who yeah. have limited means. And also that the, the restaurants say we do offer salads and yes. other healthier options, but people aren't buying them. Right. Yes. Well, they also don't have like, I don't know, I know that where I grew up, you walked past a 7-Eleven and McDonald's on the way to school. You didn't walk past a smoothie shop on the way to school or even a grocery store. I mean, these are neighborhoods where... Like, this is a place you would go to get a quick, cheap dinner. It's not like there are other alternatives. I mean, there's like food deserts for, for the large part. I think it feels better for people to be well-educated and know that if you choose to eat fast food every day, that your nutrition will suffer and that you you may gain weight. You, you may face obesity, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and other things as a result of these nutrition choices. On the other hand, there's the part of me that thinks that uh, that believes in kind of personal liberty. And my job as a, as a dietetic professional um, should not be to slap the cheeseburger out of a, a young kid's hand as they're walking to school in the morning. And I do wish as a dietetic professional that people would drink less sugary beverages and soda and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe drink a little bit more water and, and um, calorie-free beverages, uh, particularly diabetics. When the diabetic kid asked for a soda in this episode, it almost killed me. I mean, I, I wept openly. Let's talk about suing McDonald's. Okay. Okay. Now, the most famous case was the 1994 Stella Liebeck versus McDonald's. This is the hot coffee case. Right. Hmm. There's a lot of myth around yes. what this case actually involves. So here's here's the fact in fiction. This was a 79-year-old woman who was in the passenger seat of a parked car when she spilled the whole cup of coffee on her lap trying to take the lid off. Hmm. She suffered third-degree burns that required eight days in the hospital and numerous skin grafts. Now, they say the optimum temperature for brewing coffee is between 160 and 180 degrees, and McDonald's policy was to brew it at 190 degrees. Mm. Now, given all these facts, can we say this is a frivolous lawsuit? It was not a frivolous lawsuit, and also, I know that one of the myths is that people, it was a huge, huge award in that case, right? Right. And people think that she sued for that, but that was actually what the jury awarded, not what she sued right. for. She was suing for, like, a reasonable yeah, damages and, amount. Yeah, and like the, her medical experience. And yeah. then the jury was the one who came with, like, the $90 million <laughs> judgment or whatever. And that was an interesting, you know, sort of uh, The look judge at ended that. up knocking that down. Yes, so, yeah. yes. But I, I do think that that, that case helped perpetuate 
way, this myth, well, it's her choice to go to McDonald's and get her coffee, and she's stupid for driving and drinking coffee, and when none of those things were true. Right, and because yeah. then you need the label that says warning contents are hot, Right. then it's like, it, it, people point to it as an example of like, the reason we need a legal tort reform, because yes. uh, it's a frivolous lawsuit, and anybody can you know burn their mouth uh, on hot cheese pizza. What's funny is this is not the only episode we've talked about on this podcast that's about the fast food slash sugary beverage industry like causing murder. Yes. <laughs> Remember the mushroom salad episode yeah, we right. watched which was also like Coke is evil? Like this is a theme that comes up over and over again and the one thing this episode didn't do, they what they didn't do was that counter, that dumb counter argument of like well, these kids have choices. They could just eat yogurt. Like, they didn't do that. And I appreciate yeah. that they didn't do that. That was actually a nice turn that this episode took, even though so many turns in it were so bad. Obviously, the, the restaurant has an incentive to make sure that the food exceeds 165 degrees because they don't want to serve food that's going to make you sick because of any type of, of, of contaminant in that food. And they can reduce that risk by, by making it very hot. But then, on the other hand, like, the lady spilled the coffee... And the coffee burned her, but like, are we going to talk about the Taiwanese manufacturing plant of these coffee cups? Like, why was it so hard for her to remove this lid? Like, <laughs> I might focus on that. Like, who made this lid? Why did they super glue the thing on there? Why do I have to dump coffee all over my lap because I can't get this freaking lid off to put a little Splenda in my shit? Excellent point. They still haven't solved that problem. That's true. That's they ridiculous. Have not. Yeah. They have not. No one's murdered anyone over it, though, as far as we know. And lastly, we can all agree that the fillet of fish ought to be outlawed, right? <laughs> oh, man. I love the fillet of fish. I My wife is about to come in here and, really and beat me. I love the fillet of fish. It is. So does oh, she man. tartar sauce? Oh, man. That was my go-to walking home from junior high as a kid. <laughs> hey, I'm a, I'm a, I was raised Catholic, man. We had to eat fish on Fridays, dude. That that fillet of fish saved my ass many a time. Love that. Love the, love the milkshake that has no milk in it. Love all of it. Oh, my God. I can't help it. Hey, that's going to do it for us. We <laughs> want to thank our guest, Jason Almy. Jason, where can our listeners follow you online? So uh, you can go to teamalmy.com to find links to uh, our podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, many of the other uh, podcatchers like Podbean and, and SoundCloud and stuff. So you can you can uh, search for us on any of those. Shit happens when you party naked. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at SHWYPN. So uh, you can you can hit us on Twitter and um, send me messages and uh, hit us up. And we're also on Instagram at Party Naked Podcast. So you can catch me on all the socials and uh, you can find our episodes on pretty much all all the, the podcatchers. And Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, you can find me on Crime Writers On, of course, and on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoy. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. For ad free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, Sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Other Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft Above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media.